Kind of. I have been gargling salt water. I've been, um, what else did I do? Oh, sucking lozenges. I've been, uh, I did a little bit of, um, you know, staying in the shower with the steam. Not back yet, but well, it is what it is. Better than what you sounded like Monday. Yes. Today is opening day. Woohoo! And opening day means... Marlins Cubs at Marlins Park and huge shout out to the Miami Marlins. Absolutely. For donating 40 tickets. That was awesome. To our kids of Miami Dade Monroe. So some of those kids and their families can go to the game with us. And uh, Michael Williams, the COO of our kids, will be on the podcast next week. Um, we're going to uh, have him on the Monday episode when we'll also have Chris Archer, the Tampa Bay Rays, on because we will see the Rays play Sunday. We actually spoke with Chris last week about some of the things that he does off the field. and He does a lot of things. Uh, really, really, really good guy. But uh, we will get to that on Monday. What we want to talk about today, though, is uh, one opening day. And seeing the Marlins, and uh, we have an interview with Martin Prado, Marlins third baseman, coming up here in a little bit. But before we get to that, spring training wrap up. Yes, we have our spring training stadium reviews and wait for it rankings. Now there are three stadiums we did not get to see again, so let's just knock those out of the way right now because uh, they will not be part of the reviews. We did not see Atlanta set up at the ESPN Wide World of Sports Complex at Disney World, nor did we see the Toronto Blue Jays Dunedin Stadium. We kind of heard some things, though, from various people. They kind of said the Braves, outside of being at Disney, is really nothing special, and that Dunedin, while small and charming, is run down, old, and unimpressive. Now, that said... I know at least one fan. Yeah, he he said it was awesome. Yes. And one of the reasons was, I think, accessibility to the players. Yeah, small point. That's Dunedin and Atlanta Braves. Uh, oh, the Minnesota Twins. Now, while we did not see a game at Hammond Stadium at the uh, CenturyLink Sports Complex in Fort Myers, while we saw the Red Sox play the Astros at JetBlue Park at Fenway South, we did drive by Hammond Stadium. I'm disappointed we didn't see a game there because it looks pretty cool. It does look cool. It's hard to see what the inside of it looked like, of course, because we were around the back of it. The outside kind of looks like a condo complex. It does. <laughs> it's it's like a facade of a complex. Yeah. Yeah, right, so. That said, though, what I liked about like the parking lot area and just the exterior is that it does kind of pay a little bit of a, a homage to some of the Twins greats, both past and present. Right, yes, they had the different not really street names, but yeah, street names, I guess. And a big picture of uh, Kirby Puckett. 
catching a ball over the fence on the team's training facility out there beyond the parking lot. That was kind of neat to see. But, all right, so we are going to go through these stadiums in the order we saw them, and then we will rank them. Right. So we came down to Jupiter February 23rd through the 25th, and we saw the Cardinals play three times, twice at Roger Dean Stadium and once at First Data Field when they played the Mets. Roger Dean Stadium. I really wanted to love it, but I didn't. I liked it, and of course it was the first stadium. So when we first got there, I enjoyed it. As you'll see on our blog, I kind of felt like home because partially because it was the first one we went to. We went there multiple times, and just being around and seeing the Cardinals players and fans, that's just familiar to me. So it felt like home a little bit, and that's what I liked about it. But once we got to some of the other stadiums, I, it seemed a little bit lackluster. I guess it, it lacks atmosphere. While it's there, there's not a bad seat in the place. It's right. Small, you can walk. Uh, uh, you can walk around. Well, you can't walk all the way around. That's kind of a frustrating thing too, because down the left field line you've got the Marlins clubhouse. Down the right field line you've got the Cardinals clubhouse. So that's as far as you can go. Is to basically the right field foul pole and the left field foul pole. And so th- th- there is like no viewing in the outfield area at all. And that doesn't bother me as much as it bothers you. But I didn't feel like, again, I felt like I'm in a, in a minor league stadium. Right. And I like that. Oh, yeah. And, I, you know, you do get the feel like you're at spring training for sure. You can walk right down to where the players are. You can walk right up to the players that are sitting in the bullpen. And then other players might come out when they're walking out. They walk past there and coaches, etc. We definitely saw a lot of kids and people getting autographs. William McGee was even down there giving autographs. That's what I liked so much about that stadium. Yeah, that part of Roger Dean Stadium is cool. We got a little head nod from the bullpen catcher, Jeremy Martinez, uh, which was kind of neat. You were trying to take a picture of the Cardinals bullpen, and I, and I, I, I was just like, hey, Martinez, right. say cheese. And he turned around and gave us a little head nod. That is on the Instagram account, Home Run on Wheels Instagram account. But uh, it just, like you said, when we went around to the other stadiums, you saw how much more fun the games can be. And I think Roger Dean just lacks that. Well, and speaking of fun, our second stadium, First Data Field, home of the Mets, was where we got to see how how the Seven Line Army has fun at a game. Yeah, they basically took over that right field berm area that had the bar out there. And that is probably the most fun of any of the stadiums we went to. And it might have been colored a bit by the fact that the Seven Line Army was there and they were raucous and they were rowdy and they were fun and they were loud and they were arguing about Carmelo Anthony as a Hall of Fame. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I, to me, that was the most fun. We had fun at, like, every stadium, really. We did. We enjoyed just about everyone. There's one that maybe we didn't enjoy as much as the others, but we'll get to that one here, here later. But, no... Uh, First data field in Port St. Lucie, it's big, it's spacious, um, and fun. And I, I really, really enjoyed it. And another thing, again, with the bullpen, the pitchers warming up, they're at field level. And I know 
Ron is grinning. I I just again, it's that accessibility and being right there with the players and it's it's the bullpen. If you're going to be able to be there right there with the players, it's the bullpen cuz anywhere you go, the dugout isn't really accessible. Just like it is at at a regular major league ballpark. So that's why I have quote unquote a thing for the bullpen. <laughs> okay. So after that first weekend in February, we had to go back up to Charlotte and clear out of our house. Yay. We were back down here March 12th. We were back down in Florida and we went to Clearwater like immediately. We pretty much had to drive through the night because of delays with the RV. You can listen to all that in episode four of the home run on wheels podcast. But we saw the Phillies and Rays play at Spectrum Field in Clearwater, and I loved it. It was my early front runner for favorite stadium. I ended up ranking it second on my final list. I really enjoyed that one as well. Um, it's one, and I know you're crazy about the thing that you have a thing for is walking all around the stadium, right? Right. You can't do that at Roger Dean. You can't do it at First Data Field. But at Spectrum Field, you can. And then we found out there are several others where you can walk all the way around. And I, I love that about Spectrum Field. And um, also, cheesesteaks. <laughs> uh, I didn't have one, and I love cheesesteaks. Yeah, there's a place, uh, I guess, down in Clearwater called Delco, which is stands for Delaware County, which is just on the other side of the border from Philadelphia and they had cheese eggs. Now, I really can't compare it to the original, like uh, an actual Philly cheesesteak but it was still really good. And uh, we saw a walk-off homer when we were at Spectrum Field too and that walk-off homer, it left, it literally left the stadium. It did and it went into, there's like a little marshy area in the back and we were, we were looking for it to see kind of looking through the fence and so we thought maybe exactly the gator got it. <laughs> He's right, out so there playing catch. Right. Yeah, yeah, with his little baby gators. <laughs> Here's some. <laughs> oh. <laughs> now you're just being silly. Okay. So then the uh, very next day we went to Bradenton to Lecom Park, which used to be known as McKechnie Field, and this is one of the oldest spring training venues in the Grapefruit League. Opened in 1923, but it was renovated in 2013, and it doesn't feel old. I, I, you can tell it's the oldest, right. but it doesn't feel dated, right. per se. Yeah. You like the green initiatives that they have, and we'll get to this in a little bit, that they had in Sarasota with the Orioles and in Fort Myers with the Red Sox, but I think they're more visible at, at uh, Lecom Park. Because there are recycling bins everywhere, and I love that about it. I think that was the first place you saw recycling bins, so you were all crazy about it. I don't. I think we saw just as many recycling bins at some of the other parks, but anyway, I, I don't know. afterward. They were literally at like every entryway, and uh, I had trouble finding them at some of the other parks. And that, um, Before that, but afterwards, not so much. But anyway, you know what I want to talk about? You mentioned it used to be McKechnie. Yeah, I, I have to contact Uber because Ron was at the game already and I had to, I had a meeting or something. I, so I took an Uber over the, there to the park I forgot about that. and I 
put McKechnie in. And Uber found a place. And I don't know where I'm going. So I'm not going to dispute what the Uber app is saying. My Uber guy comes. So my driver did not speak English, which is fine unless you have a problem. <laughs> unless you end up at a strip mall in front of a nail place and you're go- he's like, okay, get out. And you're like, what? <laughs> this is not it. And then I'm trying to find the location and trying to point out. And he points to me on the actual Uber app. No, you know, you click on the, the pin or whatever and it shows this place where we're at. And I'm like, this is not right. So, but ultimately I ended up getting there. The The guy took me and he was kind of laughing when he, when we got to the ballpark, he's like, ah, they're at the ballpark. And he was kind of laughing. So he was a very nice guy. He just couldn't help me right. figure it out because we had a, a uh, language barrier. But, yeah. but anyway, that's not anything about the stadium, but I just thought it was a funny story. What you saw was a very open place that again has a boardwalk. <laughs> I, I love. Lon loves and, uh, it. it. It's in the, it's in a neighborhood, so you've got all these bars and restaurants. But the, there was still plenty of parking around because they, uh, they had had a couple fields that they used for parking. And uh, but I love that it's historic. The concession prices. I actually paid attention to this. The concession prices were like a dollar lower there than just about at any other ballpark. So you had affordable concessions, green. Uh, close to bars and restaurants. It was open and spacious and historic. I loved everything about that. It was my favorite. It still is my favorite Grapefruit League venue. You had it ranked number four because you're wrong. <laughs> yeah. What was my maiden name? <laughs> I'm right. He's Ron. But anyway, um, I had Gator Bites. Those were good. Yes. I liked the fact that there were Gator Bites. <laughs> Yes, there was a lot of food, so yes. I would say the value there was very high. Yes, yes that's it. true. Pittsburgh Pir- I'm not a Pittsburgh Pirates fan, but uh, Lecom Park in Bradenton, Florida, you're aces in my book. And we met some great people there. We met great people at a lot of the places, yeah. but we actually went and hung out with a couple of the folks yeah. that we met right there. And actually... One of them, Matt Burt, shout out to you. He recommended a Cuban sandwich at a local place in, what was it, Drago's? Yeah. Drago's in Bradenton. So if you're in Bradenton, go check out Drago's. Not only did I have a great Cuban sandwich, but Ron, it was... Friday during lunch. Right. And there was no fish, but... He said, hey, I'll make you a veggie sandwich. And he just made up whatever it was, right, out of whatever ingredients they had. It had some slaw in it, and I don't even know what else, but it was really, really good. Uh, an off-the-menu item that he made because he was, uh, he was so interactive with, with the customers. But we're uh, getting sidetracked here. Anyway. Right. Next stadium, after Bradenton, we went up to George Steinbrenner Field in Tampa. But super expensive. We paid $68 a piece for standing room only tickets. And this was the unanimous selection by both of us as the number 10 stadium of 10 because it was expensive. 
it did not have the charm of the other Florida Grapefruit League uh, venues. Right. It just didn't feel like a spring training stadium. Very nice stadium. Very nice stadium, but it felt like a major league baseball stadium plopped down into the middle of the Grapefruit League, and it just didn't fit. The thing that I did like, though, is that we were able to go to a night game there. So... Right. One of the things I liked as well, there was an inspirational quote on one of the walls that I really liked. What did it say? It said, you hit home runs not by chance, but by preparation. And I think that's a great message. It's a great message for anybody. It's a great message for kids. So I really liked that. Home runs are metaphorical. They are. So from there, we actually saw the Yankees play the next day, St. Patrick's Day. In Lakeland, Florida, where the Detroit Tigers hosted the Yankees at Publix Field at Joker Marchant Stadium. And I love this place. It was charming. There were palm trees everywhere. Good concession choices. And my favorite, you can walk all the way around the stadium. Indeed. There was also a kids area with games. We talked to a woman with Kids Pack, which is a charity there in Lakeland. And they make sure that kids have lunches and have meals over the weekend. So they get meals in school, but a lot of times apparently kids are not given meals over the weekend because the family doesn't have money, for example. So apparently the teachers give the information on on the kids that they think have this need. I thought that was a really neat initiative as well. It was. You actually had a longer conversation with the woman than I did, so you learned more about them. But then you even with a shout out to Kids Pack on the Facebook page and the Lakeland Tigers, the uh, Tigers minor league team, responded and said how much they love their partnership with Kids Pack and, and, and the good things that they do in the Lakeland community. Yes, it's, they have an event in June that they call Pack the Park and so they have a whole event with them, so that's great. Now after we saw the Tigers in Lakeland, it was our anniversary, so I, we talked about this last week, we went to Disney World for two days, and then we came back down and settled up in Jupiter, but we were not done with the Gulf Coast. We went back over there after seeing the Cardinals and Marlins one more time at, at Roger Dean. We went over to the other side and saw the Orioles Stadium, Ed Smith Stadium in Sarasota, and you can't walk all the way around, which I did not like, and there are picnic tables all over the field, but if you're sitting at a picnic table, you cannot see the field, which I did not like. But it is your favorite stadium of all the Grapefruit League venues, because mainly because of their green initiatives and the other kids' initiatives they have. They have something they call the Orioles Health and Fitness Challenge. It says, eat, train, and live like the pros. And they had some stats on the wall that said they teach more than... 4,500 kids in 6th to 8th grade each year about healthy living, including exercise, eating right, and being tobacco-free. They had a menu with healthy food options and where to find them in the stadium. They had a turkey burger. We know our friend Craig will not be having one of those. (laughs) But veggie burger, dogs, veggie wrap, salad, yogurt, fresh fruit, hummus, cliff bars. I mean, they had all these things listed and what stands you could get them at. So I thought that was great. They also had a main menu at a couple places where you could 
see like every food option they had and where you could find it in the stadium. I don't think we saw that at any other stadium, and that was pretty darn cool. They also had a bobblehead. A giant bobblehead Oreo statue, and I may or may not have posed in front of that photo. Um, you did, indeed. <laughs> they also had good concessions as far as the other food options they had. The crab cake sandwich was okay, but not great. I was a little disappointed in that. Yeah, but well, we'll get the real thing in Baltimore. That's right. The other reason this was my top choice was there were great views from around the stadium. There are a couple places that weren't great, but I really liked the second level that you could walk up there, and there were great views of the field from there. You could get right behind home plate. And it was a little chilly because of the time of the year, and there was shady up there. And it was very windy when we went, so the wind kind of bit us as we were standing in the shade on the second level. So. Bring a jacket if you go to, to Ed Smith Stadium in, yes. in March. Right. For a spring training game. Now, during the summer for a Gulf Coast League game, it's probably awesome on that second level because you're in the shade and you, you probably get a breeze up there. Exactly. But as far as a spring training venue, a little chilly. The next stadium that I went to, actually, because Patty could not, uh, she had several meetings that she could not go to, was uh, the Charlotte Sports Park in Port Charlotte, where the Rays have their spring training set up. Now, this is a picturesque place. It's open, kind of like uh, Lecon Park in Bradenton. There's a boardwalk that goes all the way around. Uh, I will say the concessions uh, I had, it was I was there on a Friday, so I had fried fish that was not the best I uh, had. Uh, it was a little too greasy. Other than that, though, it was, I mean, a beautiful place to watch a, a baseball game and saw one of the wildest walk-offs I've ever seen there where they're, they're playing the Blue Jays, and the Rays had two outs with a runner in first and third, and this blooper is hit to short left center field. Left fielder comes over, center fielder comes over, second baseman drops back, shortstop drops back, and the ball lands between all four of them, and both runs score, and the Rays win. That wasn't the only wild thing you saw there, right? Didn't you meet a unicorn? I did meet Gordy, the dancing unicorn. <laughs> and uh, I even picked him up because I saw him walking. And I was talking to him like in the ninth inning, uh, in, in, right under the scoreboard in, in, in the outfield, kind of by the tiki bar that they have. Really cool tiki bar they have out there, by the way. And, uh, yeah, I'm talking to him. And then I see him walking after the game. And I, I didn't know how far he was walking. So I, and he's this guy dressed as a unicorn walking down the street. So I, I'm a pretty nice guy. I actually stopped and picked. I asked him where he was going, and he was going to a restaurant that was like two miles away. So I asked him if he wanted a ride, and he hopped in. Turns out this guy is from Michigan. He's from the Detroit area and actually works for a children's advocacy group in Detroit. So we exchanged contact information, and we hope to set something up with his group, with the Tigers, in June. It's crazy how that works, isn't it? Yes. Very crazy. You actually went back with me the next day to Charlotte Sports Park. We talked to Chris Archer of the Tampa Rays. Again, he will be on the uh, uh, podcast Monday, as well as Michael Williams, the COO of Our Kids. And uh, But from there, we went down to JetBlue Park at Fenway South in Fort Myers to see the Red Sox and Astros play. And we saw Mini Fenway with the Green Monster. Yes, and begrudgingly, this is my second favorite park. And why is this begrudgingly? Because you were at Game 4 of the 2004 World Series when the Red
Red Sox completed a sweep of the St. Louis Cardinals, and you were sad, and you even took a sad selfie in front of the 2004 World Series trophy at the stadium. Yes, I think we mentioned that actually before. And it was funny. <laughs> it was, and then there was Lego Big Poppy. Lego Big Poppy, yes. And and your sister Robin, yeah, that is David Ortiz. That is who Big Poppy is. <laughs> but JetBlue Park to me, very modern. Uh, you love the green initiatives they have there to like con- conserve energy. Uh, sitting inside the uh, monster, which is something you cannot do at Fenway in Boston. You can sit on top of it. You can sit on top of it at Fenway South as well. But it's kind of neat, though, that because the monster with the short porch there in left field is still in play, the viewing area from inside the monster is uh, enclosed by a, by netting. So And it's very, very tight netting. So if the ball hits it, it's going to bounce off because the ball hits that netting, the ball is still in play. And the other thing that was cool about that is we got to sit in there because Ron Clements, who's never met a stranger, spoke to a couple people and right. And of course, that's what we're doing. We're spreading our message. But um, it also got us the benefit. They gave us they were standing there where they were because it was in the shade in the green monster. The sun was coming in and hitting it and making it pretty warm. But they gave us their tickets. It was toward the end of the game and they let us go see. seventh and eighth before we decided to uh, move around some more and this is what patty and i have been doing during spring training games and what we plan on doing during the regular season is we may have tickets for a particular area but we're going to be going all over the stadium so that we can give you guys the best stadium reviews of all 30 ballparks while while we're traveling around and uh now at marlins park today we're probably going to be fairly stationary because we've got a group of kids who are going to the game with us. So right. We don't want to like bail on them for like four innings. Be like, hey, we're walking around. See you later. We're not going to do that. <laughs> Same thing like when we go to Nationals Park and, and we take homes because it's pups in the park day. Uh, we're going to be pretty much restricted to that right field corner area with homes. But uh, we're almost done here. After Fenway South, we come back. And we go to 15 Ballpark of the Palm Beaches in West Palm Beach, the stadium, the Astros, and National Share. Uh, this is another one you can walk all the way around. The second level, however, is only accessible by a special ticket. Uh, they do have a decent concession variety, but nothing like that's really like unique ballpark fare. It's, it's, it's your typical stuff. Uh, what I do like, though, is that there are multiple concession locations. And while there are no real unique food choices, the concession stands all have kind of unique names that are representative of the Houston and Washington, D.C. areas. I really, really like that this stadium, it's a shared stadium, uh, all throughout the ballpark, there's a really good balance of Houston and Washington. You really don't see that at Roger Dean, where it's it's basically Cardinal side, Marlin side. But at... Fit team ballpark, both teams are kind of interspersed throughout the stadium, and I really like that about that. Now, when we were there, the Nationals were playing the Cardinals, so it was right. Nationals heavy there, but the Astros, I mean, they're pretty darn proud of their 2017 World Series championship. You can see that. Uh, yes, that's well represented. Yes, that signage is, is very prominent there, and uh, but no, I, I, I like the balance, and, and 
I think that was probably something they thought of when they built that park because it's only a couple years old. I honestly didn't even notice that until you mentioned it later. So um, that wasn't a big deal for me, but but that's cool. Uh, what I one thing I did notice though, they have multiple berm areas, and out underneath the scoreboard, you can sit underneath there, provide you a nice little shade, and you have a good view. There are also some first come first serve Adirondack chairs out there that people can sit in uh, if they want to without any special ticket, which I think is kind of cool. But of course, you have to get there early. Right. Same thing with parking at, at uh, Roger Dean. Get there early because there is free parking available in Abacoa Village. We didn't mention that earlier. Uh, there is, and that's a nice perk. Yeah. But get there early because, it, as we found out one day, those spots fill up. Yes, they do. So. Those are the 10 stadiums we went to. Here is how we rank them, folks. We basically did like an aggregate ranking. As we mentioned before, George Steinbrenner Field in Tampa, home of the New York Yankees, that was 10 of 10. Patty and I both had it ranked there. Uh, the aggregate rankings, though, from there on out, uh, basically what Patty and I did was uh, combined our rankings and then uh, – had the total score and whatever was lowest, you know, that was ranked higher. In terms of a tiebreaker, we basically just went with the stadium patty ranked higher. So As it should be. Right. Roger Dean Stadium in Jupiter for the Marlins and Cardinals was ninth. Fifteen ballpark of the Palm Beaches in West Palm Beach was eighth. Charlotte Sports Park in Port Charlotte was seventh. First data field in Port St. Lucie was sixth. Number five, Publix Field at Joker Marchant Stadium in Lakeland for the Detroit Tigers. Number four, Patty's favorite, but I had a little lower, Ed Smith Stadium in Sarasota, home of the Baltimore Orioles. Number three, Spectrum Field in Clearwater, home of the Philadelphia Phillies. Number two, JetBlue Park at Fenway South in Fort Myers. It's a pretty cool park. It is. And number one, I had it number one. Patty had it number four, giving it an aggregate score of five. So that was the lowest score. Lecom Park in Bradenton. And what set this apart from everything else was location and how there is a lot to do after the game there. There is, and we did enjoy that. And as I said earlier, that we, we enjoyed that with some of the people that we met at the game. Yes. It was nice to be able to go out and socialize with those folks afterwards. Yeah, we literally walked on the sidewalk with them. Young kids uh, understanding of how they can mix being a good student and uh, and uh, they can they can be good at it at, you know both you know because growing up my family priority was you know school and then second in the list was baseball you know so uh, I think you can like you can like, split your ability of being a good student and at the same time just be a good uh, whatever sport like the kid play so just telling the community and parents that, that it's really important, you know, play sports. But basically, the m main priority for all those families is just keep it good at school, like not missing classes and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm, I'm emphasis on 
don't miss uh, your school. Just be passionate about it and be passionate in any sport that the kids play. How important is is that to you giving back, helping these kids out? I think like uh, uh, in, in some matter, like I, I was helped by teachers, uh, baseball coaches, and I, my my mom just and and just said how I was raised by my mom and by my family was important for me to understanding like how can I impact in any any subject and any part of my life uh, you know people around me because it's seems to me like I have to give back to the community it's in the same way the community just gave me that all that information and all that knowledge about uh, can be in school baseball I play volleyball and stuff like that that people that, that actually Influ influence my career in a positive way so that's at, at least you can I can do is influence people back in a positive way and and I, I, I use my career as a platform for people understanding like how important it is to have discipline and and uh, be smart and and understanding and how socially just uh, interact with people. So I think that's my main focus with uh, this project. So I think the Marlins is they're helping me big time, just bringing ideas. How can I, besides that, I'm proud of you, just and other stuff that I can influence and I can impact the community. It's a great name, by the way. As uh, somebody who's a big fan of puns, I, I like the very proud of your name. <laughs> yeah, everything just, you know, it was set up like really well in the, Foundation, the Miami Foundation, like did it in a, in a, a big fashion way. So I'm really, I'm really happy for what, what we're doing for the community. And when you get the feedback from from the uh, the kids and the families, how rewarding is that? That's I think for me that's that's an important thing of why you do stuff like this. You know, like I, I'm not judging anybody up there, but like when you do stuff from your heart and knowing that you. The, those kind of stuff like getting feedback from people like personally like I meet the kids and they tell me like how happy they are to be in this you know in the stadium have a break from school and interact with like guys like professional baseball players is is it's something they will they will remember in the future and and uh, not even like I'm not expecting feedback from people but when they come around, they're just really grateful for me. You have an experience as a uh, child of, uh, of when you met a, a big league player? No. Not too many I mean, big leaguers down there when you were a kid, huh? <laughs> there were a couple, but they were like not like that impact from players trying to interact with people. Like, we don't have that in Venezuela. So when I, I came really young, uh, really young to the States, and I started learning about the culture and the Americans and, and how they just how everything just runs around here and uh, understanding that it just re made me realize that you have to you know and I'm, I'm just representing the Latin side of the baseball players so it's not like I'm, I don't want to impact the you know American kids or you know guys from other country but just the fact that I didn't have that as a kid it doesn't matter like right. those kids can't have right, right. you know so is there like a seminal moment in your life when you when you knew you fell in love with baseball and and you wanted to be a, a ball player? You know, to be honest with you, I, I, I never had that feeling. I mean, I never, I played since I was five, but I, I felt like I enjoyed my whole 
you know, childhood. Like, I played with my friends on the streets, whatever we play, baseball. So, and then I went to represent uh, my country, I represent my area, my district, stuff like that. And I just, so enjoy as a kid. Like, I feel like in this generation, you just parents are expecting kids by eight by nine to start thinking about big leagues which is doesn't make sense to me because it's it's a long way to get to that point so first of all like okay main focus for me once again i really like mentioned this a hundred times like when you tell your kids like first is you know school you know enjoy your school have your friends and then baseball second and you're in like every single level that you play and by the time you get to that point that you might think like you know what I'm pretty good you know so you you know you keep going your way out until you get to that reach point you go to high school you compete in high school and then if you don't just get drafted by high school so then you go to school you go to college you know and then you go to college you keep playing baseball and you know what? You might develop. There's there's kids that develop that skills faster than other kids. So, just knowing who you are, just go all the way until they knock on the door and they give you an opportunity, and you go from there. What's uh, the last year been like for you uh, here with the Marlins? Because the locker room looks a, a, a little different this year than it did last year at this time. Yeah, I mean, like um, talent-wise, you know, like uh, you. There was a more advanced, a more talent, like the product was already finished, you know? Didn't work out, and then they had, I think we got a lot of more young players, but a lot of talent. Maybe not the product is not finished, but it's they building a way where that product is gonna be ready. When they're ready, it's gonna be a long time product. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So. I think the, the the match just doesn't make sense for people out there. But you know what? At the end of the day, we all had, we all went through this. You know, like when you you got the opportunity, you went to the team that gave you a shot to play in the big leagues, stuff like that. So that building is is making more sense than people actually. They don't see. They just want to see the right now of the Marlins. But you know what? It might just take a while. It's going to be a benefit from the team in the long run. When you have some young players in the clubhouse, is it kind of, does it create a, some kind of new excitement at all? Totally, totally. You know, just that, like how just players are just so willing to understand and learn and, and ask questions. And they want to get to that point. Like they see us, they see the Baron guy. Like I want to be like him. I want to be they they feel identified with someone so when when you have a role model and, and you're trying to follow everything they do just kind of like make everything easier for you thank you martin mm-hmm. uh, for being on the home run on wheels podcast yeah man Appreciate thank you it. thank you for the opportunity did you know there are enough kids in foster care to fill the rosters of almost 1500 mlb teams and their entire farm systems we need more foster parents Visit childrenshopealliance.org to learn more. 
I didn't give birth to these kids, but they're here and they're our family and they're our kids. Carrie and her husband couldn't have a baby on their own, but they wanted to raise a family. So they reached out to Children's Hope Alliance to learn about becoming foster parents. Children's Hope Alliance helped place a little boy named Riley in their home. The couple adopted Riley about a year later, then adopted his older brother too. Now their house and their hearts are full of family. To learn more about becoming a foster parent or to learn how to spread the word about fostering, visit childrenshopealliance.org slash advocate. In 2014, there were 702,000 cases of reported child maltreatment in the U.S. That's enough to pack Wrigley Field 17 times. Visit childrenshopealliance.org to learn how to give hope to a child. Welcome back to the Home Run on Wheels podcast. Ron and I are talking about Martin Prado. What struck me about what he said was a lot about paying it forward. You know, he talked about how the community gave him the opportunities that they gave him. Um, of course, then he talked a lot about school being first and that with his very proud of you initiative, Ron loves that, um, that it's school first and then baseball. And not just baseball, but this is a message across the board. School first and then sports. And, you know, they're called student athletes and student comes first. And that's the same in elementary school and middle school and high school and in college. That's his overall message is, look, you can have fun in sports. He loves playing sports. He loves playing baseball. He's been doing it since, he, like you said, since he was five years old. Right. And he loves baseball, but he understands that baseball isn't everything. Sports isn't everything. Without education, you're missing something really, really important. He also talked about how important it is for kids to be kids, basically. Not to drill into them that you want them to be a Major League Baseball player from the time they're eight or whatever it was. I think that's an important message for everybody, regardless of whether you're thinking they're going to play a sport or what have you. Kids need to be kids and they need to have that time to be kids. It's going to be fun hanging out with these kids today at Marlins Park. Absolutely. I'm very excited about that. Yeah, so you can hear all about that Monday. Come back. We will have Michael Williams, the COO of Our Kids of Miami, Dave Monroe, as well as Chris Archer of the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, uh, yeah, 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 uh, Miami, uh, uh, South Beach, bringing the heat, uh, <laughs> can y'all feel that, can y'all feel that, jig it out.